0: Hello, and once again, welcome to a very special episode of I Remember This Cassette, the podcast where I remember cassettes. I'm your boy Kyle, and I've been doing this shit for a year now. That's right, everybody. We've gone around the world, or the world's gone around the sun one time, and why did I say going around the world? We haven't gone around the world at all. The world's gone around the sun, and I guess that's pretty nifty. And I have done 37 episodes of this series. Not in a row. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, I did 30 of them in a row, and that, that's pretty cool. That's a lot more than a lot of podcasters who just fudge off after three months of not having much of an audience to just give up and stop making content. No, I have nobody listening to this for an entire year and it went seven months before legitimately not doing it for a couple of months because of actual technical issues and because this is a no frills no editing maybe a little bit of running in advance that's that's about it podcast where I your boy Kyle recalls from memory movies he hasn't seen in at least a decade back in the old days of a year ago it was 20 years but that's that, that much much ground from that Recalling childhood memories in your late 20s, early 30s, whatever the hell I am. That just ain't cool. That's just no fun. But from adolescence to early 20s being recalled in late 20s, early 30s, whatever the hell I am. That's nifty. That's cool. And that's what I've been doing. And that's what whatever the... I think it's saying I'm averaging five viewers now. So I've quintupled my audience. And that's great. So let's just keep doing logarithmic numbers and maybe I'll have like a hundred of you by 2022. Ah, that'll be cool. Oh, but we're here. You're here. We're all here in this wonderful place called the Podcast Diversiverse. And that's cool. And figured I was going to do something special for an anniversary special. If that's what you thought, you're dead wrong. I'm just going to do another movie. That's, that's what we're signed up for. But the least I can do is go back to kind of our origin point. For those that have been around since day one, you diehard Goomers, remember when that was an in-joke? Huh. No. Uh, the first episode I did was Cats. The musical-turned-VHS thing that was a audience held for small children in an elementary school, I guess. Uh, I did that, and then... That was a movie about cats singing and dancing. So, the next week I did, for my first, like, actual full-length, not-just-a-15-minute-rant episode, I did uh, Cats Don't Dance, which is a movie about several animals, including cats, surprisingly, as the, despite what the name implies, Cats Singing and Dancing. It's about this orange tabby that has a thing for Lady Cat, who is a white, fluffy, fluff cat, and that's pretty nifty. So... Uh, I figure let's just combine all my early stuff together and do a movie about an orange tabby who has a thing for a white fluffy fluff cat and uh, just... Oh, it's set in old times, too. Like, it takes place at a time before the time the movie was made and it's distinctly, like, a period piece or something because, you know... Actually, Cats, the musical, could take place at any time, just on October 3rd, I suppose. Howdy. Uh... Sorry, there was somebody that was trying to merge in. Remember, I'm recording this from a van. That's why you hear so much road noise. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing a movie taking place in the past, before the movie was made, about an orange cat hitting on a white fluffy cat. Maybe am I remaking Cats Don't Dance, you may be thinking. I said, no, I am not doing any, I'm doing different movies, everyone. So, yeah, I'm doing that other one. Just not that other one, because now I know what you're thinking. I said I wouldn't do that movie until I felt like it was a special occasion. And, okay, it's it's my year anniversary. That's a pretty special occasion, but I'm I'm not doing Aristocats, dummies. I mean, by dummies, I mean beloved, wonderful, dear audience of mine. No, uh, we're digging our claws deep, deep into... uh, cultural digs, and I guess we're doing, not, not what I guess we're doing, but yeah, we're doing that other, other movie about an orange cat that hits on a white fluffy lady cat, and it goes to great lengths to save the day, or whatever, it's Gay Purry, which, is, yeah, that's an animated movie that came out sometime between 1965 and 1970, with a famous person, at several famous people actually it taking place in France before the time the movie was made and comes from a time when Disney was ripping everybody else off. Because if I'm not mistaken, Gay Paris, the movie about the orange cat hanging on the white cat in a place and time very different from our own, France in the early 20th century, uh, somehow came out before Aristocats. That's weird. It's a strange-ass movie, and I'll get some historical and personal context with it, as I always do before jumping in, but yeah, welcome to the end of the first year of the I Remember This Cassette podcast, wherein cats still dance, because nothing ever changes in this crazy, mixed-up world. Gay-pourri, which I'm gonna keep pronouncing with that outrageous French accent, Uh, is a movie about talking cats that came out before Aristocats somehow how convenient Uh, that came out I know it was before 1970 because it came out before Judy Garland died the reason I know that is because this movie stars Judy Garland who was probably needed to be alive to do her voice lines I, that's just a wild guess though Uh, It had some other people in it that I think were important. I don't know who they are for once. I immediately know the female lead. And I know Red Buttons was in there. I don't know what a Red Buttons is, except he's dead now. He died of old age, like 15 years ago. And he was in the movie as the cat's sidekick. I don't know who the main protagonist Tabby cat was. But I think it had a star-studded cast. I mean, if they were able to pull Judy Garland and give her enough money that she could keep popping pills until she died within a year or something, then there was probably some real money thrown around in this. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't Disney. I think Disney watched it and died when he realized other people are doing things animation-wise. Though, I want to say the movie came out like you know, the, the development process was probably right after Disney died when people like knew he had lung cancer or something or they knew he'd be turned into a frozen head beneath Disney World or Disneyland, whatever uh, and they said, well, he can't really make animated films when he's a frozen head or dead so let's get this ball rolling and make a movie about cats because nobody would Making movies about cats? Yet. Uh, They did eventually, but... This was the first one, I think, chronologically. In the animated... Cats animated universe. The... um, Movie... Was on a recorded cassette for us in the dear old family name household. Recorded off of what I believe to be Cable. Sometime before I could formulate memories, that has always been a cassette that existed. Uh, But it was on... it, It was recorded so far back that there was a time up until probably the early 90s when VCRs finally became commonplace that people would record multiple things onto a singular VHS cassette, like two or three movies on an EP, which is six hours of footage. You'd put, like two or three movies on there. That's what people did when cassettes were a hot commodity and you couldn't really buy cassettes to record on because VHSs were also for, like, rich people. But uh, for reasons that I don't really care to divulge, we had a cassette recorder in the 90s and the 80s, I believe, because through the power of magics, I realized several cassettes, including the Grinch Knight containing Halloween tape, had to have been recorded before uh, eight, 1988. I don't know why I'm going through all of these extraneous details. The point is, Gay Purry was on a cassette after some bullshit children's special about the alphabet. So if we wanted to watch the the funny cat movie, we had to sit through some 22-minute cheap animated thing about learning the alphabet because it was a time when I don't even know if I was born yet, but at least my older siblings... I only have one older sibling. I don't know why I pluralized that. Was still in Let's Learn the Alphabet era. So we recorded that, and then Gay Purry was on next. And so my mom, or dad, or whoever, just like, screw it. We'll put that on the same tape. And that's how it stayed Anytime we wanted to watch the... I don't even know what we called the movie. I would have remembered if it was called Gay Purry. But... I mean, it was listed as that on there, but we had to have some short, some shorthand name that every child of kindergarten age just has for a movie. Like, nobody calls movies movies. Like, the, for instance, Blue's Big Goddamn Musical, which still hasn't been an episode in the first year. I don't know why. It was just the Blue's Clues movie. Boo's Cruise. Blue's Cruise. Blue's Cruise. Boo's cruise. 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 Wow. I, that needs to happen. I, I know how to make $100 million now. The blues, clues, bruise, bruise. Which you'll never be able to say correctly. If you say it correctly, i will give you a fraction of that $100 million. But we're not here to talk about the bruise, 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 bruise. We're here to talk about gay Paree, And it had to have had some other name. I'll have to consult siblings eventually about it. And they'll say, why the hell are you talking about gay Paree?" And I said, look, there's a lot of movies about cats dancing and singing... And I just had to do it for an anniversary special for my podcast, which only one of you watches. Jeez. But yeah, so I mean, we watched it a fair amount. Enough that it warrants appearing on this, but we stopped watching cassettes like 15 years ago when we got a gosh darn DVD player, so it just kind of fell by the wayside. But, it's been a decade. It's a movie that was near and dear to me as a child. By that I mean we just watched it fairly often. Again, I'm not from a, I'm from a cat household. I'm not a cat person. But, uh, yeah, there it is. Gay Perry with Judy Garland. The story goes as follows. Our story begins with a book coming off of a shelf. It says, Gay Perry, on the cover. It opens and places us. In France, you can tell because the Eiffel Tower is always visible. It starts not in Paris, but the French countryside, I think, where we're introduced to our cast of characters. It just starts with, of course, uh, Muley, who is played by Dorothy, which a phrase which here means Judy God, and she's just this white fluffy cat with obnoxiously large anime eyes and she sings a song about how lively it would be to go over the rainbow and be famous someday god I wish I had some pills oh everything's wonderful when you're on pills oh it wouldn't be this would be hilarious if I didn't die from this three years from now Oh, to be Dorothy again, to be Dorothy, to go over the rainbow, singing a song, la-di-da-di-da. And, yeah, she's just, she's got a good singing voice, so throwback to the classic Hans Christian Andersen story, Thumbelina, or Little Mermaid, or everything by Hans Christian Andersen, I guess, but made more famous by animated adaptations, decades after Gay Perry was made. She just sings a song and everybody within a 50 mile radius just hears that and is immediately entranced. The good peop- the good folks in this film, which is uh, Jean Bob, who is a uh, orange tabby, which therefore makes him the male protagonist of a movie about cats, because that's just what you gotta do, I guess. I mean, Cats the musical by Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, Lord Andrew, i rather. Didn't really have a protagonist, per se. It was just cats introducing themselves through song, then freaking off until the end of the movie. But everything else I've done with cats, or insinuated I might do with cats, stars an orange tabby, and so this orange tabby hears Yoli singing and is enchanted and says, Holy cow, uh, my little blue kitten sidekick, played by red buttons and I almost said Don Rickles, but I know that's not the case. Do you hear that beautiful singing? Great. I sure do. Oh, also I have this innate ability to uh, hunt mice. I'm just really good at being a mouser. That is an established characteristic of me and it will absolutely show up later in the movie. Um... So it shows him hunting mice, and while he's hunting mice, he's usually really good at it. But he gets distracted by beautiful singing voice, like a figurative siren song from Judy Garland. And uh... he says, "Who is that? What is that beautiful song? Wow!" And he hears the singing, gets her name. And says, "Wow! I, I I've got to sing a song about Muley now. That uh, Muley, Muley. I'm gonna sing some words in French. And." uh... He hits on her and says, You have a beautiful singing voice. And then she says, Well, thank you, darling. But what else do you find attractive about me? And he says, What is this, a swan princess? Nothing matters except your beautiful singing voice. Marry me and we can get cat married, I guess. And she says, No, you haven't learned the meaning of beauty. And I'm already an animal, so... It's it's not... Oh, I'm sorry. You haven't learned the meaning of beauty, darling. So, I'm afraid... We can't get cat married, and I want you to leave my life for good. So, shoo shoo, I'm gonna act all through through. I dream about living a life in Paris. Gay Paris, or purry or whatever I choose to call it in this reverie of barbiturates. Ah, and she drifts off into La La Land again and sings a song. Um, and then John Bob leaves and goes Oh, the nervous some women eh? and his little kitten sidekick says you said it and then um also hearing is the uh villain of this film Bustopher Jones Jr. after he's gone on like an Atkins diet or something he's this tuxedo cat he's riding like a tr- he's on a train or something because he's exorbitantly rich and powerful and like is a talent agent or some shit um because You know he's the bad guy because he's the richest person in the film. Even though he's not a person, he's a cat. If I'm not mistaken, this works like... This isn't like Cats Don't Dance where all the animals understand each other. I believe everything with the speaking role is, in fact, a cat. Like, it's a movie that's all cats all the time. much Much like the musical Cats. Which I'm going to keep referring back to because, hey... It's the anniversary, so there's going to be some callbacks. I'm going to do a lot of callbacks on a lot of my episodes in this, I think. It's just special. It's an anniversary. 37 episodes. How cool is that? Aw. Right. So, um, I believe the uh, rich guy, rich Uncle Pennybags, shows up. Oh, there's another. There's a throwback to the Dunstan episode. I can give him different names for being a rich puke. <laughs> or what I call it a, a rich hairball because you know cat terminology hey look at me be clever look um, he shows up and says you have a beautiful singing voice and Judy Garland says yes but what else like she's the friggin sphinx or something and he says oh I can also give you lots of money and have you tour in scenic gay Paris and then we have the opening credits to the film which is fantastic However, unlike most kidnapping scenarios, uh, Rich Cat's McGillicuddy lets uh, Muley write out a letter saying, gone, got kidnapped, see you later, gonna be famous, Dorothy, and he leaves it for Jean-Bob to just show up at the house outside her window and say, hey, guess what, I've given up on my mouse hunting ways and I'll be a bougie freak like you if that means we can get cat married but he comes back to find she's gone and then his little sidekick's like, hey, don't worry about it, John Bob we can be buddies forevermore, we can be heterosexual life partners, we don't need any girls in the way, it'll be just like that movie that doesn't exist, The Lion King Timon and Pumbaa all the way down (laughs) Ha ha. Let's go hunt some more mice, and then Jean-Bob's like, No. Something something suspicious about the way she said she got kidnapped. I think we need to figure this shit out. And so they do. They're on the case, like, a figurative French feline Holmes and Watson. They're... <laughs> that are also cats. Ah. <laughs> uh, they're doing all that. Um... But meanwhile, with Dorothy, or Muley, or whatever we want to call her, uh, Duchess Mark I, uh, she's hanging out with her captor, getting a bad case of Stockholm Syndrome or whatever. Uh, Wait, no! No, that's right! That's right, they didn't kidnap her in a burlap sack, even though that's a metaphor for what's going on. She was so appalled by the fact that Jean-Bob... Looked for mice and hunted mice. Then she's like, ugh, I'm disgusted and appalled. And then um, Rich Cat shows up and says, you know, where I come from? We eat shit out of cans and call it caviar. And she says, done. I'm still gonna write this letter, though. Because there's a lot of letter-writing scenes in movies that I review, even though they don't seem to appear in the film. Ah. So off they go. And she's like saying, so when am I going to be famous? And then he's like, oh, I got to, I got to shop you around. Get us a, what's it called? Benefactor. That's the word. He has shifty eyes and he's definitely not evil. He is the most definitely not evil character to appear in animation since, I don't know, the evil queen from Snow White and just about every animated film. That has existed since then because the sense of morality that wee old me, wee little me, uh, got back in his growing up days was picked up by friggin' animated films. So going, going into adulthood or adolescence or everything, kind of anticipating that the bad people in your life would dress in a lot of black and white tuxedos and have mustaches and a shit ton of money was really misguided. Sometimes people that have a shit ton of money dress like regular people. I'm looking at you, Steve Jobs. (laughs) The point is, money is for losers. Be poor and be good at things. And that's how you can really thrive in life. It's not what you learn in animated films. Look at me delivering a moral to the story nine minutes into the review of the movie. Oh, I am way ahead of myself. Rich people are assholes. Go socialism, invest in guillotines. There. Well now what what else do I have to say about that? Shit, Reno I mean, pretend I didn't go on that entire track. Let's just go back to the movie. She says, Wow, you're so really rich. Is there a way that we could buy, I don't know, pills from my voice actress by doing this? And he says, Oh Here's a song about contracts and setting things up illicitly while on horseback carriage rides. It's an actual song about saying, well, we could discuss secrets while on horseback carriages because horses, unlike cats, don't talk. (laughs) They don't dance either. And they high-five as much as they can with paws, saying, here's the other animals not talking like we do. And she signs this contract saying like, yeah, uh, this tuxedo-looking puke, I'm sorry, this tuxedo-looking hairball, remember terminology here, is definitely my agent slash manager, and I guess there's like whatever the 1890s, 1900s equivalent of a tracker is put in her, uh, oh, no, she just moves into his mansion or whatever, and he says, all right, just hang out here for a couple of scenes. We'll figure out what's going on with the other characters and then uh, get back to us and we'll get some more crazy antics going on here. Uh, Yeah. Ever heard of Pablo Picasso and other artists of the era? Wait, that means this couldn't have been the 1890s because Picasso was a 20th century artist. I don't know. There's like pictures of Dorothy Cat drawn in different styles of different artists of the era so if i actually knew anything about art history i'd be able to pinpoint exactly when this movie takes place but i really want to say around like 1920 or something point is they show i learned a lot about artists if i actually cared about them except the fact that pablo picasso scared me Ah, <laughs> oh, cubism's freaky deaky right So she says, yeah, in the meantime, just work on your beautiful singing voice and keep your gorgeous anime eyes nice and big and blue, and I'll figure shit out. That's what I do as a manager. Just wander the halls. Just don't go to the third floor West Wing, okay? Toodles. What's going on with those other guys? Dame Judy Garland just signed this freaking contract saying I'm gonna work for this definitely not evil dude, uh, and I get I think she gets in like a carriage or something. But uh, Jean Bob's not there. He's out like sulking about how much he wished he was a vegetarian at this point. But uh, his little sidekick uh, Buttons. I know the the cat's name isn't Buttons, but the actor's name is Buttons, so I'm calling that cat Buttons because he's cute as a button. Uh, he's there. And sees Lady Cat get on uh, the carriage with Evil Cat. And Evil Cat sees Buttons see him. And there's just a lot of observations amongst each other. There's just a lot of seeing here. And um, Junior says, bye-bye, I'm going off to the city now. Say hi to my... your friend. Because for some reason, I like you. But I don't like your friend who likes me. And you're total aloofness towards me makes you kinda nice also you're cute as a button say goodbye to everybody say goodbye to the small town I'm going to the big city of Paris gay Paris and then there's middle of the movie credits rolling and she immediately recognizes she immediately recognizes sorry I had to hiccup or sneeze or I can't even remember what my excuse was Uh, she recognizes I don't even know where I'm going with this one Okay, he goes back and talks to uh, John Bob. So, um, they they talk and say, oh yeah, she went to the scene, and John Bob just says, well, that's really good for her. I'm moderately depressed right now. Then just out of nowhere, Evil Cat shows up and says, hey, how you doing? I noticed you saw my new associate, Newly, go into town with me. No hard feelings. Have some champagne. Get your asses drunk. Sing a song about it, why don't you? And so they do. The John Bob and Buttons just sing a little song about how awesome champagne is. And they get drunk. They get hungover. And they forget just about everything that had transpired in the last two scenes. Gets them out of the picture. Gets their detective asses distracted by substances which is really the Sherlock Holmes way because remember kids that guy was on heroin and cocaine all along just like any beloved character or the creators behind any beloved franchise so uh they have to deal with the hangover part zero with cats That uh, we go back to what the crap's going on with Our main characters are Judy Garland's and her her evil best friend now. And um, they are just talking and having a good time, figuring out what they're going to do with all this money that they're going to get. Uh, But he says, no, you you must be trained a little bit in the ways of being famous. I'm going to let you hang out in this house. For cats, let's just call it a cat house. Why not? And uh, that introduces us to Madam Pinky Fru-Fru. I don't remember her name, but she is the proprietor and owner of the Moulin Rouge. I know I, I know. I changed a bunch of names. I know it's just kind of a tentpole fixture of this podcast, But they, the real writers, the real heroes in this situation, made a place called the Moulin Rouge, which is owned by Lady Pink Fru-Fru, who owns the place and takes care of all the cats. And holy fucky, this movie's about sex trafficking. I, (coughs) oh my god. Okay. Yeah, no, that's exactly what this movie's about. I, I'm sorry, I wasn't expecting it to go this way. But, uh, yeah, no, this, this is just some rich cat gets this talented, beautiful cat from the countryside, picks her up, says there's this concept of money, and then immediately sells her to a cat house with actual cats in the red light difference from France. I know, I know a lot of you that listen to this podcast. By that I mean a sizable percentage. That By that I mean if there's five of you that's listening, I know at least one of you, which makes 20%, knows the movie Moulin Rouge exists. And people, dear audience, you need to remember that movie is actually about uh, concubines or something like, not concubines, but sex workers or whatever in uh, a house of burlesque in France, which is the Moulin Rouge. So let's just slap a cat pun on there and, yeah, mismake it about that, which makes Evil Cat a pimp. That's where he gets all of his money from. That is just incredible. Just I I don't believe, I didn't really see this as a child. Then again, you gotta be some sort of screwed up to immediately know what sex work is and the seedy underbelly of sex trafficking is when you're a child. But there's a lot of them that are like that Remember, this is just a podcast, but there is all sorts of nasty, evil things in the world, including child sex trafficking. But we're not talking about child sex trafficking. We're talking about cat sex trafficking now, I guess. So, yeah, all right. That's, that's some dark material here that's going to be the undertone for probably the rest of this movie. Ugh. But, yeah, no, he sells to kitty frou-frou, Boo Boo Kitty Fark. That, that I don't I honestly don't remember her name whatsoever. I just know she's pink and very plush, and she runs the place. And I mean, she and nearly get along pretty well, and she almost feels bad about. Yeah, I'm definitely selling you into sex work because, uh, my partner in crime, who is obviously evil, just keeps giving me good cats to run in the house, and this isn't the first time it's happened. And unless something insane happens before the end of this movie, it won't be the last. By the way, this is totally going to be the last time because this past has a happy ending. It's a 60s movie. Animated. It's for kids, you know, sex work. (laughs) Oh, oh no, this is just crazy. IN THE ARMS OF AN ANGEL YOU KNOW WHERE THIS IS GOING Hey there dipshits, it's me, Sarah McLaughlin here again Looks like my entire gimmick's been revealed and you know me best as a person that sings those songs that make you cry and the real reason that I do that is I like going to bed knowing that I'm making people cry with my music That makes me feel really special. But you know what I want to do on especially special days? I like to talk about small animals that are being abused and possibly killed. You know, a girl can dream. (sighs) But I also like grifting people for money. So I'm just going to be blunt about this and get it straight through to your stupid, stupid asses that if you don't send us at the anti cruelty to animal society, which isn't a real place because, my God, if I was making this commercial for a real entity, this podcast that I'm advertising for, or putting my advertisements on, would probably get sued to high heaven, so thankfully this is not a real organization, it is absolutely fictional, just like the representation of me, Sarah McLaughlin, that you're listening to right now, but what I'm saying is, uh, this is button head. It's buttonheaded buttons is already a character in this episode so I can't really call that cat buttons look it this is a cute little cat with the big little button eyes and if uh you don't adopt this thing for way too much of the asking price or just send over a hundred dollars we'll probably have to kill him for no good reason meow. yeah that's right little button puss we are gonna have to ice your ass if you don't give us money. That's right, we're taking hostages now. I'm Sarah McLaughlin, professional hostage taker, and I've been doing this shit for a long time. So, uh, buy some of my albums provided by me and Louis Armstrong So Uh, Louis Armstrong and person, sup, over here. Or else the cat gets it. So, uh, yeah. The choices are yours and yours alone now but at least we're not engaging in sex trafficking for cats. What the hell? <laughs> I'm bursting into the commercial to talk about just how much I overlooked this concept. I, I didn't mean to break character like that. The Jiminy Christmas. How did we not notice what this movie is really all about? I, I, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, everybody everyone that just thought this was a cute little movie about cats no no everything's so much worse <laughs> oh please i needed to just take a break from this revelation but no this commercial break just turned into me ranting all over again about this stuff Gah but still give money to sarah mclaughlin the real deal is dealing with a good cause and i know if you give her money then she stops making those commercials and we cry a little bit less and maybe that's what it's all about, but if she really is a sadist like that, the best thing we can do is deprive her of her deepest carnal pleasures. So, give money to animal shelters, for real. Just not the ones that deal with sex work. Because that's nasty. Anyway, back to the show, everyone. Okay, so after some contemplation, Uh, I revisited kind of the beginning of the movie. The real reason why Muley denounced Jean-Bob was that that he was too much of a commoner. Like, it wasn't a brutality anything. It was just, oh, this cat has to, like, look for mice. I get pampered and fed. I am a feline or something. And then Jean-Bob was like, oh hey, excuse me, princess, or duchess, or whatever. And that's where kind of there was disagreement with one another. And uh, I think Evil Cat actually showed up and gave him champagne to, like, dabble in trafficking of men, cats, too. Uh, Also, it's it's not exactly sex trafficking. I think I may have been too bold on that one. It is human trafficking, though. By human, I mean cat, but cats are apparently people in this universe or parallel or something, because just making a obstinately children's film about people getting trafficked to the Moulin Rouge, uh, that's just there's that nothing kosher about that. The kids would just start crying, and nobody would get asses in seats, and then what would the advertisers think? <laughs> so just turn everyone into cats, Use a burnt-out starlet as that voice anyway. And just have a good time. Speaking of good times, at the, at the Moulin Rouge, uh, Muley is not having as much of a, a good time working under Kitty Fru-Fru. Even though, like, she's very talented and very charming. She's just, she's too much of a stuck-up cat thing. Feline, excuse me. To, like really be satisfying customers so things aren't going so well so frou kitty cat is talking to evil cat and saying uh what's the deal you've been really skimping on me lately they've all been high-end high maintenance not not doing stuff but she is kind of charming but she's not making me money I, i'm not getting a good investment and, oh by the way Over the course of all of this, we've learned a couple things about Evil Cat, which is pretty cool that you actually get some background on him. None of it's sympathetic, though. But uh, first of all, he has actually fallen for muley and is saying, all right, you don't like that, I'll find another buyer, I'll seek out another cabal, and I'll buy her back. Whatever. Uh, But it's also because he's totally got the hots for her, and now he wants to get Cat married to her. And so at some point, uh, he, he buys her back and like, says, all right, fine. Things didn't work out. Wait, No, no. She has, he has to entice Muley who still thinks she has a modicum of autonomy in here because life's a big old joke when you're in human trafficking for cats. Um, and says like, Hey, uh, you know, I know, I know you're having a good time working here. She's like, no, I, no, I'm not. They, they've like rehab or something he's like, no, if you don't like it, maybe you can hang out with me. And he, once again, because this is a goddamn musical, uh, he sings a song about how I can be your sugar daddy. I can be your sugar dad cat. It's a song about sugar dads, everybody. We've got a song about contract negotiations. We've had a song about delusions of grandeur. So why not? Let's just screw it and throw a song about being a sugar daddy is in there. Uh, and he's got a bunch of cats that look like him That are his hench cats That are singing along in like a five part harmony uh, Or something Like money will solve everything Including your woes Let me be your sugar dad The song And she's like mm, okay I'll put in my two weeks notice With the, with the madam <laughs> That's just great And that, that was just Part of making her feel good All sorts of gaslighting and hilarious stuff like that when, in fact, he was going to buy out under there anyway. Oh, also, by the way, in the meantime, Jean-Bob and uh, Buttons have figured out... Oh, right. uh, It's the rich cat that keeps drugging us because this isn't the first time it's happened. He keeps taking hot girls from the French countryside and making them into exotic dancers at the Moulin Rouge. So let's just head over there and see if we get lucky. But... Uh, And they make their way somehow I don't remember how exactly they do I think there's some other characters in the movie That I don't care about Because I only can think about six For the most part I can only really name six characters From any movie I I try not to bring up that fault of mine But that's a fun fact If it's a movie that I haven't seen in a long time I can really only name six The six in this case are Muley, Jean-Bob, Buttons Evil Cat, Madame Fru-Fru, and all the henchmen count as one. So, I have correctly named zero of them. Good job, me. Good job, whatever. They made it to the Moulin Rouge. They, um, somehow get in contact with the Madame because she's, like, saying, Oh, what kind of, What? How can I, uh, pleasure you today? Which one of my fine ladies can, uh do something other than sex with you. Like, yeah, we want the white, fluffy one from the French countryside. And she's like, uh, yeah, sorry, I just sold her off for good back to the person who sold it for me because money is fluid and exploitation is a weird business. But, uh, yeah, you could. oh, hold on. I, then she's, he also mentions that, uh, I think there's some other thing where Rich Cat doesn't actually have any money, so he's trying to get the big score by selling Muley to the highest bidder possible. And that's why he sent her to the Mulan Rouge to um, train in the art of being a concubine essentially. And then he bought her back to say to go into some other larger bidder. But it turns out that the cat you that Rich Cat when he signed the check, Deadass used disappearing ink that disappeared right before uh, Frufru's eyes. And she said, Well, now that I've been scammed, I, the runner of a uh, cat bordello, yeah, sure, I'll help you out. Here's his address. Go kick his ass and tell him Frufru sent you. And Jean Bob says, Absolutely. And you run a fine house of ill repute. See you later. And off they go to save the day. Also, before we depart from the magical adventures at the Moulin Rouge, which I believe they they had a bunch of musical numbers there. I don't think they had, like, a lyrical thing, but they absolutely had a bunch of cats doing the Can Can, which was weird, but here we are. And to describe Pinky Fru-Fru, just, if you've seen the movie Moulin Rouge, just imagine if Harry Zidler was a woman and also a cat and also bubblegum pink I didn't have a top hat I didn't look at all like Jim Broadbent, but <laughs> there's no explanation whatsoever. But if you've seen both those movies, you know I'm 100% correct. And that's the last we hear of them. Because now we need to have the grand final act of justice and day saving, because, yeah. Uh, we're back on a train, because everything's about trains with the bad guy. Uh, he is... Uh, Got a buyer, I think it's like a, a, a Saudi Arabian prince or whatever. Is Saudi Arabia even a place in whenever year this movie was made, I don't know. Some rich puke in Timbuktu or something uh, has decided to buy Niazi. So uh, he evil evil cat says, "Yeah, I'm selling you to an artist so they can paint you or something. Just get in this box, why don't you?" And, uh, I think she gets in the box, uh, not willingly, like, she gets, like, knocked out by the henchman and thrown in the box, and put on a train, going to Timbuktu or some crap. Um, and luckily, also getting on the train is Jean-Bob. So every character, uh, also, Buttons is there, too, Just worth mentioning. Um, uh, there's finally some sort of, like, he finds the correct cart on the train, when he hears Judy Garland's distinct voice and looks in the box, for, looks at the air holes, and because you know how cartoons work, because it's a, it's a cartoon, and she has very definitive blue anime eyes that sparkle perfectly in the darkness. So it's like the, the dark inside of the box with just two visible blue eyes staring out through the, through the air holes. He, Jean-Bob knows it's her and she kind of explains the scenario outside of the whole disappearing thing says, yeah, I've been to some crazy-ass places and now I'm getting painted by an artist but I'm starting to think that that's not the case and Jean-Bob says, thank God you're pretty and uh, I'll rescue you or something uh, but Evil Cat says, I, I don't think so I've worked way too hard and sold Way too many cats, and I'll sell a thousand more before I let this company die, even though he's not like on camera or anything. Like, everybody already knows the Jig is up and everyone hates him. So, um, there's a big old cat fight, only it's two guy cats. Guy cat! No, never mind. I was trying for the scrub reference, I tripped over my shoelaces <laughs> and just biffed that one so hard. Like, I just whooshed whooshed and whooshered immediately struck out even though I only swung once. Damn it. Sorry, Scrubs, you don't get a reference this time. I don't even think Goosebumps gets a reference this time. Was there even a musical number in Goosebumps? I don't know. Damn it. Stick to what I know, and what I know is definitely this movie. There's a big old fight. Um, He, he goes six on one, well, six on two, and there's just comical parts where Buttons... Man, just to single-handedly defeat two of the henchmen, despite being a little blue kitten with... That's cute as a button. Um, they fight the... The cat, Jean-Bob, just beats everyone up and throws them off the train one by one until it finally comes down to him and, uh... Evil Cat. And Evil Cat is, like, hanging out on, uh... It's, they, it's all in this train yard this entire battle because the train hasn't left yet, but if the train leaves, then they're gonna be in deep shit because it's going all the way to God knows where. And you know it's not Timbuktu that is definitely ripping off Aristocats. but rest assured dear audience, everybody, the entire writing staff of Aristocats, that the movie that would be that, we're all sitting in the audience, the theater watching watching gay Purry. Par- Par- e, taking notes vociferously and then going to Walt Disney himself on his deathbed and just trying to get him to sign off on one more movie that is officially under his name before he kicks it and he was just all hopped up on probably morphine and he said yeah sure whatever uh, let him just prep the cryogenic freezing process I'll sign off on this movie just make it seem original and all the writers said, in you said, oh, we will. And they just high-fived and think about all the scotch and cocaine that they're going to have over the next six years when they don't have a modicum of originality in their films. But back in a somewhat original film, this one, um, Evil Cat laughs at John Bob in such a way that uh, he also, in a fit of delusion, imagines him as a, a mouse. And he realizes, well, no, I'm going to do what I was always supposed to do. And be a mouser. This little withered puke that's so scrawny and puny that he looks like a mouse. i will beat the shit out of him. Like I was gonna do that mouse. And then I can show that beating up people can actually be endearing to uh, my future girlfriend. And when it comes to that, then she'll appreciate me for my actual raw talents as a cat. And so he basically does that. He uh, beats Rich Cat to an inch of his life... And then <coughs> Muley says, no, if you kill him, you'll be just as bad as him. Let's do something else to him. And they say, yeah, I've got a great idea. And uh, so they let him out of the, They let Muley out of the box, put Rich Cat in there and said, you'll make a fine wife to this guy that you're sending him, them to. Enjoy being a male sex worker, even though... You used to be a pimp. How the mighty have fallen. Just thank God you're not dead. But enjoy your new life being someone's bitch. Goodbye forever. And they close the box. The train leaves. And Muley realizes the merits of Jean-Bob being able to beat up those smaller and weaker than him. Which is actually an endearing quality for a cat. So he says, "I've, I've had second thoughts I don't have to go any further than my own backyard to find someone I love. Let's go back to the French countryside and get Cat married. And John Bob looks at the camera and says, I could get used to this. And then it cuts back to live action um, Judy Garland in her mansion coming off of yet another Garbentuit's trip. Her butler comes in, and he's voiced by the same uh, guy that voiced Jean Bob. And she says, how can I help you today, Judy Garland? And she says, oh, I just had this most wonderful dream. I, you were there. And then um, the janitor at her mansion, who is played by Red Button, says, and you were there. And then... Some guy that's played by the evil cat. I think it was like her lawyer who she doesn't like, so of course he was the bad guy says you were there too. Oh what a wonderful life I lived. But at the end of it all, there's no place like home. And then the writers run out of the theater go to Walt Disney's deathbed and says, we got this idea for a cool movie called Aristocats. And Disney just says, all right, that's good enough for me, signs off on the paper, and dies on the spot. The end. Okay, final thoughts on Gay Purry. What's the deal with the name of that movie? Actually, it makes sense. I think the phrase Gay Perry or Gay Paris or whatever was actually a term used for the city of Paris long before gay had a very different meaning. Even in the 60s when the movie was made, it didn't have that connotation, so I'll forgive those transgressions and try not to talk too much about them over the course of this movie. I don't think I did anything there, but it should be worth mentioning that's why I did no calls on that movie title. That's just... Something that happened at the time I didn't even think much about it as a child Because, you know, children are, for the most part, innocent Um, I really think the trafficking aspect Was unintentional But I really didn't think about that until During the making of this episode That, dear God, there's a lot of those parallels there And I, I really don't think that was the intent But just... The way that the plot flowed to do that—that's just how shit went down. And it just—it just keeps getting worse with the whole exchange of money. The Moulin Rouge is undoubtedly like the most a a total strip club of the era. There's nothing wrong with sex work. Support your sex workers in whatever way you can, even if it's not. Wanting to have sex with them, per se. Because it's not for everybody, but... Empowerment to the workers themselves. Pimps or dickwads. That is included on this one. And they actually do a pretty good job on The Madam. Like, she's... I, I didn't think about that, but that, that is absolutely what she is. And, like... This is a movie that I really do want to rewatch watch at some point. Now that i made this kind of revelation midway through. i it, it has been over 20 years since I've seen it. So... I'd have to revisit it and I will eventually and see it through that lens. Cause like this was during an era where animation was still taken very seriously as an art, not necessarily, Oh, it's all kids movies are animated because during like the seventies and eighties and early ish nineties, a lot of stuff fell into that realm. Like there are films that aren't inherently for children that are animated, but those are not at all culturally mainstream. Uh, I feel like there might be some cases of the 60s doing stuff with thematic elements that weren't inherently designed for children. Maybe Gay Purry was one of them, and when it was shown to children, it was innocuous. It's just a love story and a melodrama, which is fine, which makes for actually a good film that is there for everybody. Some of the best films that are there for all ages have thematic elements that are there for the adults, and it's not just innuendos and pop cultural references to stuff before the kids time like the best movies can have like real stuff to think about for adults and to suddenly bring up John Bluth like a lot of his work in the 80s his best works like your all dogs go to heaven and land before time part ones like they have everything like and same with Brave Little Toaster those are all ones that movies that I really like animated films that I thoroughly enjoy Watch regularly, and for the most part, probably won't show up on this podcast. But they are just, they're good. They're well made because they have elements that are there for older audiences. And having not seen Gay Per since childhood, I need to revisit it and see if it falls into that realm of there because maybe it is a good movie. It really is about a delusional person who's the cat who gets struck down by exploitive forces. And, I mean, in the end, it just still becomes a boring love story about, oh, wow, don't have, you don't have to go anywhere. No, go somewhere. Look at some things. Check things out. But beware delusions and beware people that are offering you money for services when you don't want to offer said services of your own volition. Yeah, seems pretty cool. Sorry I couldn't get anyone's name right. But, uh, yeah. That brings an end to our first year of I Remember This Cassette. Thanks for anybody that's been sticking around as long as they have and listening to episodes. I I really did have those technical difficulties over the last few months. It wasn't a total case of burnout. There was some of it to that. But I'm still very interested in continuing this podcast on for as long as I feasibly can, can. I mean, movies that I haven't seen in a decade are and inherently limited resource but I'm trying out other stuff you'll see some new things in episodes to come Um, rest of October will be a theme month Uh, I avoided that just because it's a special anniversary special I still have four episodes in October which theme months are generally supposed to be four of them so hey we'll be back around we'll do more stuff Uh, there may even be a watch through somewhere in the middle of it all um, but yeah, it, it's a good movie, gay Gaby. Uh, get get your hands on it. Judge it for yourself. I know I'll give it some rewatch and rejudgment sometime by the year's end. Maybe I'll do an episode of it. I'm not sure. But hey, one year if I remember this cassette and we're still somehow here, so that's really what matters. So tell more people about it. Look, I've shown I'm in it for the long haul. I can be a consistent once a week not necessarily on Wednesday but once a week kind of guy so hey enjoy it alright this is a long episode this was a long final thoughts thing so thank you all for listening to this episode thank you for enjoying the show tell other people about it subscribe on your podcast device give yourself a listen we'll be back for uh, a theme month of horrific proportions starting next week so until then a toodles